Welcome to the Right Brain Music Podcast, presented by Right Brain Records. I'm Scott, and I thank you for joining us. This episode features Lotus Lungs, an experimental improvisational guitar trio from Seattle, a city known for living comfortably on the fringe. The trio includes three accomplished guitarists, each with unique and well-honed styles. Their backgrounds span punk and alternative rock, jazz, classical, and avant-garde music. They are Bill Horst, Matt Benham, and Tom Scully. Bill, Matt, and Tom each regularly perform with a wide range of people in Seattle's dynamic music scene. They compose their own music and have recorded extensively. The common elements that unite the members of Lotus Lungs are exploration and innovation. They improvise freely and adaptively, depending on the situation. And they stretch the limits of the guitar, constantly developing new sounds and approaches. Lotus Lungs recorded their first album as a trio this year. It's called Guitar Improv Summit Volume 1, released on Right Brain Records. The album is entirely improvised. The trio used three different formats, acoustic, electric, and prepared guitars. These formats can sound radically different, and they make for a wild ride. If you're a fan of the guitar, you'll be intrigued by the range of sounds, textures, and moods that Lotus Lungs creates. I talked with Bill, Matt, and Tom about music, the art of music making, and their new album. Let's take a listen. Probably the most important thing that Bill pointed out when we first got together was that, you know, we are playing three guitars and we got to be really aware of, you know, what octave we're playing and just the frequency levels and not trying to occupy the same sonic space. Honestly, I think when Matt first asked us to do that, I, I actually was uh, quite trepidatious. Wow, guitars. There's a certain personality that goes into being a guitarist, and uh, there's a certain, yeah, there's just a certain amount of activity that, uh, that happens. So, and um, I've worked with Matt a little bit. Um, I've never met Tom before. And, uh, so, I was kind of like, okay, let's see how this goes. Um, but, uh, you know, again, the watch we're doing, let's not overblow this with, you know, endless triple tripartite soloing all the time, which honestly, I mean, I'm, I'm telling myself this as much because I like to do that, you know? I mean, yeah. you know, I mean, I think we might probably all do. That's part of the reason we picked our instruments at that time when we did. Um, Each of us have a ton of effect pedal, you know, pedals and stuff like that, and those usually are used in, you know, different settings where we probably aren't in competition with another person that has that many pedals to deal with, you know, and loopers being the first thing that will, you know, obviously add to the density. So I think just being conscious of how much output you're responsible for. It's harder to keep that, yeah, there's a, there's a distance, maybe it's a psychic distance as well as a sonic distance that is easier with other instruments, and I'm sure this is not peculiar to guitar. I'm sure it's like when you have a 
saxophone trio. Although the difference I think with horns and strings is a lot of times people that come up through with the through the conventional ranks, they learn to play those as sections like and you see that intuitiveness when horn players improvise together. I mean they'll fall into becoming sections, you know. Guitar there's no really there's no real guitar section of the orchestra, so you know, do we play well with others? Yeah. I don't know. This is you know I guess we're finding out. Yeah. <laughs> I think I have to fess up about maybe the first time that we played together. You know, we all had all of our pedals out, you know, <laughs> um, all of our preparations, and I had just met Bill, and at least for me, it was like, well, let me just try and do everything, and try and use every single pedal, like use every tool in my toolbox, and, you know, it just kind of sounded like <laughs> <laughs> To me, it's a texture, you know, or it's a mood or something. I think like, how can I, how can I augment this without becoming overbearing? And that's probably the biggest, you know, challenge for I think probably any musician, but guitar players as well who have a million pedals to deal with. Um, and so I just try to like be complimentary while I'm listening, uh, and then also, you know, just obviously expressing, you know, the idea of, of whatever the piece is, is taking shape and stuff. Yeah, I think uh, there's uh, there's something about improvisation in general that I, I think, and I think it's kind of a, a, there's a, a misunderstanding that improvisation, well, it's correct. It's like, oh, it means anything goes, anything can happen, which is true. But I think if you practice the art of improvisation, then you realize it's like, no, you can't just do anything. You're listening, you're focused, and you actually have a few choices to actually compliment somebody. It's free music, but it's not necessarily a free for all. And a disciplined imp improviser learns how to how to reduce, especially in, in like you know the, the, the bigger ensembles. You know. Yeah, I think one of the important things about playing both of you guys, so like, I'm still constantly constantly surprised by some sounds while we're playing. Like, uh, something will happen. I'll be like, wait, what the hell is Bill putting his guitar? <laughs> what is Matt doing with that thing? You know. And sometimes the best thing. Um, I think I could do is just let you guys do that and just like give you guys space. Um, maybe the best thing to complement that sound is just to lay out. Absolutely. You know, especially with three guitars, you know, 
instead of being like, oh, that's really cool. Let me try and bring out my like niche, you know, object right. that I'm going to shove my guitar and also create this, you know. So this all speaks to that like anti- anti- antithesis to anything goes. Mm-hmm. It's like no. You have to be really kind of disciplined and be like very specific about when you're entering or what you're contributing and not necessarily thoughtful in so far as like thinking it out in advance, but at least practicing that skill of introducing and removing with some sensitivity. first answer i feel like you know to me like when i was in high school you know listening to you know jimmy light of woodstock and like what in the hell is he doing you know i was like okay you learn about he's got like some wah-wah pedal or you know in the studio and he used a leslie speaker you know uh on a song and you're like okay that was it that's the road that you know I'm, i'm traveling down now what else is there and stuff and then you just i mean you just start learning about different effects different sounds and I think some of it is I mean at least for me I know that I get sick of the guitar sound and for a long time I was really sick of it and I was like I don't even want to play this guitar I want to like you know learn synthesizers or I don't know just any other sound than um, pedals you can you can step out of your world of the guitar string sound and you can just you're it's limitless really and you know there's obviously a lot to learn so then it's like okay now I've got another challenge here, not only just learning my instrument, but learning to control all these, you know, electronic, electronic parameters. We think of Jimi Hendrix when we think of electric guitar. We don't think of, like, very many people that were playing electric guitar before that too much because an electric guitar has a very limited array of tonal and timbral options. I mean, that's why I think they were, you know, they were not even favored heavily by I mean there certainly were jazz guitarists of course but but it was not a heavily favored instrument in jazz it did not have the expressive capabilities of a saxophone you know it was like here's a note you can brighten it you can mellow it you can bend it you know um it might be second only to the melodica as far as like a hell of having a very specifically limited range of options um and so, like, the pioneers of guitar, and there were many pioneers of guitar before Hendrix, but they don't resonate with people because um, it, w- it, was, it was later with people like Jimmy that were plugging things in. And I actually saw a, a, a great workshop with uh, Fred Frith once, and he pointed to all of his pedals and his guitar, and he said, this is electric guitar. 
and I think that's exactly right because you are you you are you're, you are saddled with a very limited timbre option. I mean, the things you can do with a reed instrument by choking on the you know choking on the reed or like biting up. I mean, the multiphonic possibilities. I mean, there are tons of them. I mean, we heard you know we've all heard like fantastic examples of like that fiery just oh, that what is that thing you know these multiphonics that, that you can get out of a side you can't get that out of a guitar acoustic sort of thing and then we went to our electric guitars and then we did a all prepared guitar thing if I'm not mistaken right um personally I love that we had that acoustic um sound going on in the album and even the other night um you know it, it's something different from you know just the wall of sound that sometimes happens with us playing with all of our pedals or you know preparing our instruments um, also, I think even in the recording, there's you can notice that I think the acoustic pieces are the ones that have the most space sometimes, and um, I think it also just highlights some of our, you know, going going back to maybe our roots and um, you know just straight playing, no effects, nothing's being altered at all. Um, besides the times that you know maybe I think you guys are following your guitars and. Matt has a, um, what is it, the, the Evo, mm-hmm. yeah, I think just the sound of an acoustic guitar is just really, really strong, especially the three different acoustic guitars that we have, I'm playing a nylon string, classical guitar, Bill, you're playing an acoustic guitar, right, and uh, steel string, mm-hmm. and Matt, is that's also steel string? Yeah. Yeah. Our thinking was going into it, let's have like an acoustic uh, playground perhaps just to see if we can we can make it work because there's obviously not going to be as much sound for one um, but then maybe it's also going to give us a little bit of a good uh, headspace going into the other pieces it's stripped down it's stripped down all we have with the exception of periodic uh, ebos bows super balls on sticks you know whatever you know you just have the notes so i mean going back to talking about the like kind of the redemption of like you know the guitar by 
connecting all these appurtenances to it, you know, um, this was like kind of like the opposite. It's like, well, we, we only have notes. That's all we have. And it really kind of put us on our best behavior. And not only did the acoustic stuff um, come out, I think, spaciously and very deferential, it changed the direction of how we approach the electric stuff. guitar is uh, basically a, kind of an extension of general instrument preparation which has its roots actually in I'm going to guess in piano 
the idea of preparing or treating an instrument is to utilize objects somehow with the instrument to alter the timbre. So famously, uh, John Cage's prepared piano where he would screw bolts in between, uh, in between strings or place things on the strings to get different sounds. I grew up on punk rock and I did not grow up, you know, and, and so, I mean, that was the inspiration to start playing music. It was, uh, it was like guitarists like Greg Ginn um, for Black Flag that made music seem possible. Like, I mean, I saw lots of musicians and I liked a lot of music, but it was like, you know, I mean, 12 and listening to like Iron Maiden. I'm like, wow, that's amazing, but I'll never be able to do that. But then I started hearing punk rock. I was like, this is amazing. There was something about the accessibility. They're like, yes, you can do this too, you know. Um, so in, in, in as I was as I was into that music, I was kind of expanding out of punk rock into other alternative music, or what would be called alternative music at the time. And the first person I actually saw doing weird stuff with a guitar was actually uh, uh, Danny Ash from the band Bauhaus. That's what it really introduced to me, like, just the concept of electric guitar as a thunderstick. This is like, I mean, you can make powerful sound with this instrument. It was, you know, it had a very kind of talismanic property that drew me to it. And then I think in 91, uh, is that like, yeah, 1991, like, two things happened. One, my roommate, uh, my college roommate, gave me Mahavishnu Orchestra's Birds, on Fire, uh, Bir uh, Birds of Fire. And I read an article about a guy named Bill Frizzell in, like, Guitar Player Magazine. And I went to my local chain music store and found a Naked City CD. And those two things kind of, like, kind of flipped my lid a little, quite a bit. That's, that's kind of how I got into more uh, experimental avant-garde, whatever, whatever, whatever term you'd like to use. Um, but originally it was as a reaction. It was kind of more like a fuck you. You know, oh, cool, you can play pretty music. Well, I can do this, you know. And so, I, that, you know, I mean, we were t I was a teenager, you know. We, you know, we, we rebel. That's what we do. Um, and it wasn't until years later, after I actually started practicing it, like that I, I, I tried to shift my focus from being reactionary to being like, actually, this, these are beautiful spaces and sonic ideas in and of themselves, not just as a reaction to the mainstream or whatever, but actually they just they just exist beautifully on their own That's how I started, and then of course, you know, as you kind of, as Bill said, as you play it a little bit more, you probably realize, oh, maybe, maybe I could talk to some girls after play, after playing this uh, somewhat proficiently. Uh, and then, you know, obviously that quickly goes away, and you, you know, you realize like this is a, it's a beautiful instrument, and it's accessible, which is nice. It's not, you know, prohibitive to, to purchase. You know, 
Uh, I think I wanted more guitar lessons when I was a kid, but I didn't want to practice. Um, I wanted to be better, but I didn't want to put in the time, which that's probably every musician, but uh, guitar players in general, I think that's probably pretty good. Um, so the more I got into guitar, the more I started kind of like writing my own stuff, and I would kind of go through periods where I would be really into like, you know, Jimi Hendrix or something, and I would try to learn a ton of Jimi Hendrix tunes and just try to get inside his sound. And the more you do that, the more guitar players you figure out, you're like, oh, this person's doing this cool thing or this person's doing that cool thing. Um, so your ears just get bigger and bigger, and so you allow more, more things uh, to sort of be considered beautiful, which is, I think, uh, just a, a great, um, great way to, like, think about uh, music in general. But... I think for me, prepared guitar. I don't, you know, I don't really know if I if I know where it started, but my guess is that I was probably in a in a, a, a bit of a a valley of, of thinking like, oh, the guitar is terrible. I, I don't want to like ever take a guitar solo. But I planted tons of like, you know, classic rock cover band type things, you know, amateur cover band things when I was in high school, and I got sick of like trying to take these like. Steve Ray Vaughan type of blues solos, you know, I just couldn't do that anymore. I think my bandmates at the time, you know, were playing, playing in an indie rock band, like, oh, you gotta, you gotta take more guitar solos. I'm like, no, that stuff is sucks. Somebody actually told you that. Right. Oh, I was like, man, I wish you would just take good. a guitar solo. Like, I hate it so much. And then I heard um, uh, Wilco's uh, Sky Blue Sky, uh, Nels Klein on it, and it was like just such a revelation to me because I was like, okay, he's playing these solos on guitar and he has this like a, you know just pristine clean tone and he's doing stuff that I you know it wasn't like super out or anything it was just it was amazing and it was, it was great it was virtuosic and that really like piqued my interest and then I kind of got into him a little bit more and then he does all sorts of crazy shit with his guitars and his pedals and all sorts of stuff so uh, then I was like all the <laughs> for me For me, it was all Jimi Hendrix from the start. Not just his playing, but he, what, what he could do with the sound and just the feedback just completely blew my mind. And uh, started taking classical uh, guitar lessons because my parents were just like, okay, you want to play guitar? You got to do it like this. And as you know, I would go into my lessons <laughs> playing like Purple Haze on my, on my nylon string. Um, so I think there was always something about um, guitar sounding like anything but a guitar from maybe a very early point of my playing um, but I you know I went off and I studied jazz in, in, in Boston and um, I was just you know pretty much failing at it to be honest um, I just it just wasn't clicking with me whatever it was I wasn't I probably wasn't practicing enough is probably part of it but um, you know I had a a teacher his name was David Tronzo David Tronzo changed my life for sure he um, turned me on to improvisation free improvisation and uh, turned me on to guitarists like Derek Bailey and Fred Frith and he was also uses um, quite a bit of prepared guitar in his own playing and um you know, just 
I, I had never seen anyone put anything in the guitar that sounds like that before. And I, I just knew that I had to just follow that path. And he told me to go out and buy like a cork and uh, little alligator clips. And I think that was the first thing. And then I remember one day um, I came in and I, I showed him that I had, uh, man, I forgot what it was. I stuck something in my guitar. And he was like, okay, um, don't pay me for this lesson because you taught me something today. And I was like, okay, well, it seems like this is something I should pursue then. Um, and it was just so much fun. No one else was doing it. And it was you know, part of the same thing with what Bill said. You know, I'm surrounded by all these jazz cats and, uh, and no one's doing this shit. And I'm like, well, yeah, well, fuck them. I'm going to go with this. Uh, I don't know if there's a scene for this, but uh, I'm going to go for it. And then when I uh, was getting ready to move to Seattle, I was, you know, I was looking for a place that had a good improvised music scene. And actually, um, one of the first names that came up was Bill. Um, and you are also someone who um, very much influenced me in the prepared guitar world. Um, just, I remember going on YouTube and seeing some um, performances, just solo prepared guitar. And I think that was also very new for me because my teacher had been playing great guitar, but as, uh, you know, part of acoustic duos or, or trios, and um, it would very much play like a rhythmic role, um, you know, um, which was also just awesome. I love the idea of the guitar not just being this melodic instrument, but a rhythmic mm -hmm. instrument, a percussive instrument. When I heard you play, and also hearing you play live for the first time, just the textural layering and just like the movement through this sort of sonic environment that you, you know, you created was really powerful. And that was nothing that I had ever um, really thought about before. <laughs> sound like me and like I can just admire somebody else's sound and like sweet I'm on my own path and like you're on yours and like 
That's, I'm glad you said that. I mean, I, that's hugely, hugely important when, 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 when I started. I mean, just music in general. I was like, I wanted to create original music, like palpably original music, not music that you have to explain that it's original because you invert sevens or whatever, you, you know, that, you know, if you have to explain it, I don't know if it's coming off, you know, um, and as, you know, kind of like an artist in the later 20th century, what are you going to do with guitar? Are you going to, are you going to play faster than Yngwie Malmsteen? <laughs> and if you do, will anybody notice or whatever, you know, so, and, and, and it was very much, I mean, sometimes I think the term experimental, though, it, it, might drive me up the wall sometimes it's it's very appropriate because it's a, it was it, it was it was a scientific procedure where like a scientist gets out of school and where are they going to find places for original work mm-hmm. original study you know and it was like yeah i want to have a sound exactly like that i want to i want to sound good or bad like me and be like be identifiable yeah i think like one interesting thing that ties from you know this topic to something we were saying before is that like all of those pedals if you're paying attention and you're like you know on top of stuff like you could find something that could be played in combination with another piece that you already have another pedal you already have to create a a new sound that you haven't heard before Mm -hmm. and so it's I think that kind of like unending quest for for the new for something new yeah I mean this is like experimental music and we're we're experimenting, right? I mean, I think one of the most uh, rewarding things about playing prepared guitar is, you know, finding new preparations and experimenting with that. Just like, yeah. well, you know, I found this sponge or something. What can I do with this sponge? Is it going to shove my strings? What's it going to sound like? Or, you know, a brass sheet of metal, or, you know, whatever it is. It's just so much fun. Yeah. And I think it's... It's about the process. Yeah, it's the process. It's the, you know, I mean, the, the funny thing is, like, an experiment never fails. An experiment. The outcome might not be what you wanted, mm-hmm. but the nature of an experiment, if you experiment, you've succeeded.
keep coming back to this. Um, there's like a sheet that of rules for artists that I think was going around, and I think it was um, mistakenly credited to John Cage, even though he gets like a little piece of it. By, but I think the rules were written by um, this painter's sister, Karita Kent. Do you guys know who that is? Um, she, I think she was a nun, that she, and she ran an art school. Um, and she made this list of ten rules, and one of them, the one that like really sticks with me, is um, don't create and analyze at the same time because they're different processes altogether. So I think going into the studio it was like we're definitely not thinking about okay, what are we doing here uh, from sort of that analytical side. We're not thinking like okay, should we try that same thing again? We're literally just creating and worrying about the analysis after the fact we came up with a lot of varied stuff and i think we boiled it down to something that is very very strong playing with these guys is such a joy it's such a great experience and as a listener i think the album is just really interesting and i I hope i don't mean this in a bad way at all but it's definitely not easy listening whatsoever But that being said, there are so many surprises in the music. You can be sitting on this one track and, you know, we might be in one zone and then out of nowhere something else happens and uh, I I just think that's really important. I, I, you know, one of the things I love the most about listening to music is being surprised. Um, And I think this album is totally full of surprises.
You've been listening to Lotus Lungs. Their new album, Guitar Improv Summit Volume 1, is available on Right Brain Records. You've been listening to the Right Brain Music Podcast, presented by Right Brain Records. You can visit us at rightbrainrecords.com. Farewell for now. Join us next time.